here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans, and more importantly, for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, I start the show by asking, what's the good word? The good word this week, Stephen, is sorry to all of the listeners for our absence this past week. Um, I am wrapping up my my final semester in college at Valdosta State University, and Valdosta State's Wi-Fi is low budget. It's run by five orangutans in the Amazon jungle banging sticks together. Um, it's always been bad. It got very, very bad the last couple days to the point where nothing on my laptop really worked. So I texted Steven and was like, hey, my Wi-Fi is kind of crapping out right now. Can we postpone filming? And so now we're doing it this week, and it was just as bad as last week, so now I'm on my phone. But thank you for your patience. So to put it in the reference of my generation, it's like a Star Trek Next Generation episode where they're trapped on the planet, and they're trying to get their their tricorder to work, and they're trying to get connection back up with the Enterprise. So that's how we feel. But we are here, and I believe there's one other good word you want to say. Oh, yeah, of course. To hell with Georgia. Yeah, the reason your Wi-Fi is down is, come on, somewhere some UGA guy is in charge of your IT and the Wi-Fi connection. So No, they don't have an IT. I think it's because my current pet theory is because all of – it's South Georgia, so it's all UGA fans down here. They just crash the server trying to stream the spring game and then hitting the message boards talking about how Carson Beck was, like, the next great quarterback and – my Mike Bobo is going to like lead them. Stop. Back. Just let's just let's stop. We don't need to hear any more talk of those people. And and really what it is, you're right up to the point, And it's not them streaming. It's them. They won't empty their recycle bins on their computer and, and do their caches. And so it just it ruins the network. Uh, enough tech, enough uh, IT talk, enough Wi-Fi talk. This is episode number 34. Uh Quick shout out, of course, my favorite number 34 in sports, not just tech, but is David Ortiz, the greatest clutch hitter in the history of baseball. Do you have a favorite number 34 in sports? Um, I, David Ortiz is a great one. It's really hard to argue with um, to w- argue with David Ortiz. So I, I think, think that about that. Would, that. I sprung I sprung that on you. I didn't talk about I think that would be choice. I think that would be yeah. my choice. I uh, can't. The Kim Olajuwon was 34, right? That. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Shake shake and bake, baby. Charles Barkley, board number 34. Anyway, uh, the other uh, quick, and this is related to tech slightly, but Joshua and I both acknowledge that as this show comes out, it should be day number 963 of the WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion Roman Reigns, former defensive tackle at Georgia Institute of Technology. Roman. We acknowledge you. Is that actually 900 something days or is that like Goldberg streak where they kept like. No, no. 
It's actually 963 going back to his, when he first picked up the WWE title. He combined the titles a year and a half in. But so, Roman, we acknowledge you. We the ones. We the ones. And so let's get into the episode. For those of you along on the journey, I apologize for the extra stuff. We'll blame it on the Wi-Fi at least a couple more times. Welcome to the show of all chunks. Rather than do a chunk at the end, normally we do half news and then we focus on one particular topic. There are three pretty big things we want to talk about. So we are going to start by talking about the spring football game, the probably the most recent big news coming out of Georgia Tech Athletics. We will also focus in the middle of the show on the baseball team. They are starting to get to the second half of their season. We want to talk about how they're doing, and we will finish the show by talking about new basketball coach Damon Stoudemire. He made a couple of new assistant coach hires and a little bit of portal news, both good and bad. We're going to focus on those three main sports. There are some other sports news to intersperse, like I just did with Roman Reigns, but we won't talk about that again. Joshua, what? happened in the Georgia Tech spring football game? Well, um, it was a glorified scrimmage, as it tends to be. Uh, you saw a whole lot of people get their first real opportunity to kind of come in and, and show off exactly um, how good they can be. Um, Team Reckham did win 42-24, to 24, which, first of all, we must acknowledge that um, Florida had their spring game, and I believe going into the fourth quarter, the score was 7-7. to seven. So we've got that going for us. Um, don't read too much into the defense. I'm not really going to talk about them a ton because Brink, he was very upfront and after the game saying that they were only playing a base thing. They weren't really doing anything that you're going to see them do during the season. It was more to kind of get the offensive guys out there and kind of familiar with Buster Faulkner's offense because most of these defensive guys played for Thacker last year. They kind of know what they're getting into. So uh, the big one, Kenyatta Watson had three pass breakups. Amari Harvey, um, the safety, also had six tackles and a forced fumble. Um, Etinosa Rubin, the transfer from Clemson, I believe, had a, a sack or a TFL, as did Trenilius Tatum. The big one on offense was Malik Rutherford had 154 yards and two touchdowns. So um, Nate, Nate who? I don't want to say that too early, but Malik Rutherford looks like he could indeed be a weapon. You also saw some other receiver, uh, uh, DJ Moore specifically stood out, had four catches for 92 yards. Um, both Haynes King and Zach Pyron, they both had their moments. Uh, Pyron was a little bit more efficient. He threw, was 11 of 16 for 153 yards and a touchdown. Haynes King was only 13 of 22, but he did throw for 277 yards. So more of a risk taker. So they so the way they broke the game up was uh, Zach Pyron and Haynes King played against each other in the first half. Zach Pyron took snaps with the first offensive first team offensive line, Haynes with the second team. Then in the second half, they switched and Haynes King took snaps with the first offensive line and Zach Gibson came on in the second half. So it, there I, I think there was some talk that in the first half, Haynes King was a little more off. And he was he was a lot more sharp in the second half. So good things out of out of all three quarterbacks. But definitely it looks like at this point, Zach Pyron and Haynes King are the top two quarterbacks. Absolutely. Yeah. And Trey Cooley, the uh, transfer from Louisville, actually had 100 all purpose yards. So we got to see one half of the main running back duo. We also saw Evan Dickens. 
get in for a couple runs, which actually is going to lead me directly into the other small tidbit that I wanted to mention here with the football team is on that same day, the transfer portal reopened. People could re-enter to transfer based off, you know, whatever. Georgia Tech currently had three kids hit the portal in the last couple days. Uh, Don't worry, it's nobody huge. Uh, Gray Carroll, an edge rusher who had been there for uh, two years, had not seen a single snap on the team. He is in the transfer portal, as is safety Jalen Huff, as well as running back Antonio Martin. Now, those of you that keep an eye out, you know that Antonio Martin was the top recruit from Georgia Tech's 2022 class. Apparently, he came into last season out of shape, um, and he spent most of the year trying to get into game shape. You knew it was kind of bad when Jamie Felix from that exact same recruiting class got more got snaps down the stretch, and Antonio Martin was nowhere to be seen. And then you know you bring in a guy like Trey Cooley, and Evan Dickens comes in, and Evan Dickens is apparently impressing in spring practice to the point where he got some significant snaps in that, that spring game. Antonio Martin decided to transfer. We wish him nothing but the best, obviously. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Georgia Tech did also pick up a commitment from a kid in the transfer portal. I have to go pull it up real fast because I'm switching through apps here and it's not as easy. While you're looking that up, let me shout out that to go along with your analysis, the game was on ACC Network. I caught some. I, I read a lot of notes after the game. But friend of the show, one of the dozens. And dozens of listeners of this wonderful podcast and a big time friend of the show who has interacted with us many times. Kent was at the spring game. Kent has actually been to many spring games. He's been to about four or five in the last few years. And he mentioned a few different things. Number one, the attendance was much better than the last couple of years. Almost the entire lower bowl looked very full. Uh, We, we don't get a full stadium, but there were definitely thousands and thousands of fans there to cheer the team on. He said it was a such a different feel for the entire game and the entire experience watching the players. He said it was much more businesslike. It was much more disciplined, much better, crisper football. It was so much less about the noise and instead about playing good football. The players seem to enjoy the experience significantly more than what he's seen in the past. He said awards were given out at the end. That's If you go to Bleacher Report or, or any of the following, you'll, you'll hear about different awards that were given. And uh, there are about eight to ten different categories for the entire practice and also the game. So said that you could almost sense an immediate change of culture. Uh, and said the oh, the offense looks so much better. Now, I was going to ask, and we do not want to overdo any analysis of this game, but the offense comes out smelling like a rose and looking so much better in this game. Is there any concern over the defense? 42-24, no. you know, a lot of points. Like they, they were playing a base defense. They weren't, there was no, like, disguised blitz disguise coverage and blitzes and we're going to go all out i mean they weren't they were barely allowed to tackle for christ's sake so the it was more to kind of get the offense in sync and kind of get the defense out there working with each other once you let thacker kind of dial up his stuff i think that the de- the defense will not be i'm concerned about the defense for other reasons we'll talk about it probably in a later episode but based on this performance i give it the smallest grain of salt 
So, uh, so shout out to a friend of show Kent. Thank you for your analysis. Kent also wanted to ask uh, us to tell our listeners to look up one other thing. There's a great uh, quote on Twitter from George Tech football. Brent Key has given some great press conferences. All the coaches have during spring practice. And they're just some of the words that were used, foundation of success, accountability, discipline, learning how to practice. Key was quoted as saying, when you come to the fifth quarter of life, you have to be prepared. And that's what Georgia Tech teaches you. So just a just changing the culture <clears throat> and making it about education and discipline and accountability and doing your job. And young men, young people want to hear and respond to that message especially the types of people who are students at Georgia Tech. So, you know, shout out to Brent Key. Great job in the spring game. Look forward to, we look forward to overreacting even more throughout the offseason and into the fall practice. And I think you and I did a pretty good job of not overreacting and talking about the spring game. Well, yeah, absolutely. We're not Georgia fans. Um, I did get the name of that O-lineman. Uh, name is Connor Scaglione from Princeton. Uh, he was a Two-year starter, I believe. Um, if not a two-year starter, he got significant playing time in that first year that started last year. Um, he's going to be a grad transfer, so he's only going to be here for a year, but definitely um, some depth on a still relatively young offensive line to add in. So sorry about that. Shout out. No uh, worries, man. Good. Hey, we're, deal- we're dealing with Wi-Fi issues. It wasn't Wi-Fi. I just didn't, didn't have it ready. Okay. Oh, you got a lot of work on this show uh, post-production. Last last little tidbit about the spring game. I am going to shout out Jackets Online TV, J-O-L-T-V. You can find them on YouTube. Uh, Kelly Quinlan and uh, and Russell talk about the spring football game. It's about a 30-minute little tidbit, and they just kind of go through and give their thoughts right after the game. Kelly, obviously, main beat writer for uh, one of the main beat writers for Georgia Tech Athletics, so shout him out. That's worth the time if you want to go a little more in-depth. One, uh, let's pivot quickly. I just saw that Friends episode last night, so that that's why pivot was on my mind. Let's pivot quickly to tennis, because both the men's and the women's tennis team have wrapped up their regular season and are getting ready to head into the ACC championship. Want to shout out the women's team for finishing the regular season 13-8 and eight in their uh, team matches. They are ranked number 20 nationally and but they head into the ACC tournament as the seventh seed holy cow the ACC women's tennis field is stacked but they finished the season with a great little uh ending match against uh against Miami and and they were uh, ranked seventh in the nation I believe when they beat them or 13, something like that. But just shout out the women's national, uh, the women's uh, tennis team. They are going to the ACC tournament as the number seven seed, and they are currently ranked 20th and they finished 13 and eight on the regular season. The men's team finished 13 and 13. They were unfortunately four and eight in the conference, but they won two of their last three matches heading into the tournament. They've got a couple of nationally ranked players. So individually we've got some strong players, the women's team, a uh, little bit better record than the men's team, but let's see how both of them two in the ACC tournament. We wish them well and hope both of them can go on to the NCAA tournament, team tournament as well. Absolutely. Well, we weren't here last week to um, 
to cover the baseball team, which is probably a good thing because they went, they lost two out of three to North Carolina at home. Uh, not the greatest thing, although North Carolina is a top 15 team. So, you know, understandable, but it is what it is. We're going to focus more on what happened this past week. Uh, Georgia Tech, once again, won a midweek game. Two, two, don't call it a streak just yet. Um, they were able to take down the Auburn Tigers 12-8 to eight in 10 innings. They did go in tied 8-8, to eight, and then Jackson Finley with two outs in the 10th inning hit an absolutely nuclear bomb for a walk-off grand slam. Find that highlight. It is one of the more impressive home runs that you will see. Uh, but unfortunately, the good news kind of ends there for the Jackets baseball team. It's starting to get bad. So they traveled to Blacksburg, Virginia, to take on the Virginia Tech Hokies um, in ACC play. Virginia Tech did not come in with an impressive record. Uh, they were about 19-12, and 6-9 in the ACC coming in, and Georgia Tech got swept. It was not a good experience for the Tech, not a good road trip at all. They lost the first game 10-7, to uh, didn't get a very good start from Luke Schmolke. Only last, lasted an inning and a third. Gave up four runs. Um, Cameron Hill came right behind him and gave up four of his own. So, no, no, I mean, obviously the offense put up seven runs, which should be good, but it just it was not enough. Uh, got even worse the next game. They lost 13-1, to which we're not even going to talk about that. Uh, it's just, just not only five hits from the Yellow Jackets offense, four of it from the top four. Uh, and then the last game, they lost 9-2, another really bad game. Just Tech's, Tech's pitching staff is one of the worst in the nation. Um, I believe their team ERA is like 230th in Division Division One or something like that. Um, it's not getting better at all. And when the offense doesn't score, they get blown out. And when the offense does score, they lose close games. Uh, one small bit of news is that Christian Campbell, um, Tech's second baseman, currently has a 20-game hitting streak going. So that's... That's impressive, and obviously, you know, you've got Jake DeLeo, um, Stephen Reed, Angelo Despina, Jackson Finley, Jack Rubenstein. They're all having good good years. Um, again, the, none of the issues are on offense. The, the, the team's offense is incredible. It is the pitching staff that continues to sell this team short day after day. Yeah, it, I, so I, I went into the team stats before as we were prepping for this show, and you know Jackson Finley hitting 311 with 12 homers, 39 RBIs. Jake DeLeo, 391 with 12 homers, 38 RBIs. Christian Campbell is hitting 437 uh, in in 24 games played. Stephen Reed hitting 336. Despina hitting 349 with nine homers, 32 RBIs. They've got a lot of great offensive numbers. The problem is for their top three starters who have started 22 of their 36 games overalls, Finley, uh, Dawson Brown, and and Schmolke. Finley's the best with a 491 ERA. Uh, Brown has a 9.2, and Schmolke has an 8.9. Three other starters that have pitched, has started at least like three or four games, uh, McGuire's or McGee's, Dalton, and Smith. I mean, they got like Smith's got an ERA of like thirteen point two. I mean, it's just they're just if they're hitting a lot, they're not pitching at all, and they've got to score ten to win. I mean, that's it. You can't do that. So, Even when they score ten, they give up twelve half the time. Right. So, right. It's it's a tough it's a tough thing for an offense to go through, um, especially when you're playing against a team like Virginia Tech, who you should beat. Um, 
it's it's starting to it's starting to get bad for for the Jackets baseball team. It's it's starting to get very bad. Well, as as we're recording this, and and, and it's going to depend on how you finish the year. This was a young team. We were hoping, you know, anyone. And here's the beauty of baseball, Joshua. You would agree with this. Anyone can go on a streak and get hot if their pitchers can get even remotely hot and get people out. This team's got a chance, hitting-wise, to be in any game. They play, by the way, as this show comes out on – on uh, uh, we recorded this before the Tuesday, April the 18th. They they are going to be on ACC Network against Georgia State. They have a series against Miami. They play Mercer midweek. They have a series against Gardner-Webb. And then they play Pitt and Duke and Virginia as their last three series. Um I I don't believe any of those competitors are ranked at this point. Um, the team stands at 20 and 16 in the conference. They're seven and 11. They're 16 and six at home. They're winning at home. Uh, they're three and nine on the road. That that's kind of their problem. So uh, we'll see what they, if they can get hot anything can happen. But as it stands right now, this is a team with great hitting and not near enough pitching. And shout out to Jackson Finley doing his best show, Hey Otani, because he's our best pitcher and he's arguably one of, if not the best hitters we have. Yeah, I, there's a lot of individual talent on this team that unfortunately seems to be going to waste just a little bit. And it's the team sport, and you got to have you got to have com- contributions, especially in, in pitching. So before we get to the last story, I do want to throw out a couple of tidbits from the golf team. Number one, we need to take a moment and acknowledge another great tech athlete and one that might not be known by a lot of generations. They should know. Uh, Larry Mize turned professional after going to Georgia Tech in 1980. By the way, that's even almost before my time. So I grew up when I was growing up, Larry Mize was already a professional golfer and Larry Mize played in his last Masters this uh, couple weeks ago. It was his 40th and final Masters. Larry Masters won the 1987 Masters. If you were alive in that time, that was two years in a row where golf was up near the top of the conversations because in 86, Jack Nicholas over the age of 40, which was legendary, nobody did that. He won the Masters at the age of, I believe he was 43. And then the following year, Larry Mize in a playoff, go find the clip of Larry Mize 1987 Masters playoff. His chip from number 11 that goes in is still one of the most replayed golf shots, not just from the Masters, but from almost any tournament. It is one of the most amazing shots. And that won him the green jacket in 1987. He's been a great pro. He's been a great ambassador for the game of golf. He's been a great ambassador for the Georgia Institute of Technology. So congratulations to Larry Mize for playing in his final Masters. And I hope he enjoys the senior circuit and enjoys a wonderful retired life, semi-retired life. I'm sure he'll be playing a lot of golf. The other golf comment I wanted to make and tidbit is uh, Christo Lamprecht. A our junior, one of our top golfers, is one of the top 10 finalists for the Ben Hogan Award. This is awarded to the top collegiate golfer at the end of the season. And he has, in his 
in different tournaments and invitationals he's been in. He has one victory and three runner-up finishes, and he is in the top 10. I believe the starting field was like 40 golfers. They trim it to 20. They've trimmed it to 10. So he is considered, a, I believe, a semifinalist, top 10. Uh, there may be one more cut down from here, but we want to shout out Christo Lamprecht and say, well done, sir. Keep up the good work and keep hitting them straight and putting them in. Absolutely, yeah. That go at least somebody on the golf team is uh, at least like some some sport at Georgia Tech is doing well. And and by the way, the golf team as a whole is doing quite well. We'll be talking about them as as they finish out the year. They'll they'll head to the ACC Championships toward right, I believe, in the next month or two. So we'll be talking about them. Absolutely. Well, moving on to our favorite sport, basketball. A lot of news to cover here for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. First of all. Damon Stoudemire starting to flesh out that staff. Uh, hired two assistant coaches who will be covering here today. Um, and the interesting part is just how different the two coaches are. So coach number one, first the main one he hired was Carl Hobbs, who has been a coach in the NCAA ranks since 1987. Uh, he was a he was a point guard at UConn from 81 to 84, and he's been an assistant coach pretty much most of his career. He was an assistant at Boston University from 87 to 93. Uh, he was an assistant at UConn for two different stints, 93 to 2001, and then 2012 to 2016. He was just recently an associate head coach at Rutgers. He, was, he also has head coaching experience. He had 10 years at George Washington, where he went 166 and 129 with two um, Atlantic 10 tournament championships. So he will be joining Damon Stoudemire's staff. The other one that was hired was the exact opposite, a relatively new coach on the scene, and that is by a man by the name of Pershin Williams, assistant coach. He comes over from Kennesaw State, um, and if you look into his career, he hasn't really left the state of Georgia. Um, he was on the staff at Georgia Southern, from 2009 to 2013, before that, he was at Nyack College. Uh, he was also an assistant coach at Columbus State um, when they were relatively successful and just served four years at Kennesaw. So, so Joshua, let me ask you, I've got my – I developed a pretty good theory and opinion of why he made these two hires, but I'm going to let you pontificate a little bit, give an opinion. Hot sports take – of what you think, why Damon hired these two particular coaches? Like I said, I mean, he's, he's building, I think he's building the corners, you know, he's, he's got Pershing who's, who's really experienced down here in Georgia, which I've been very outspoken about. I think we need to dominate or we need to win that state for sure. Uh, Carl Hobbs is a lot more Northeast, right? I mean, Boston, UConn, Rutgers. I mean, he's, he's got, he's got that area. Damon going back to his time as a head coach, he was over in the uh, Northwest with Pacific over in Washington. And I'm assuming he's still got some connections up there. Plus he's connected on the AAU circuit. So he's probably got some connections all over the place. So I think he's, I think he's kind of trying to cover the nation. Right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if his next one, when we hear about it has some ties to like Southern California or Nevada or Texas or something like that. Yeah, you and I talked about that. I 100% agree with that. I think he's trying to get his coverage of who has connections. But I'm going to take it a step further. I found it interesting. I think Carl Hobbs is, is the Ron Washington to Brian Snitker 
the guy who had some 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 college a lot more college coaching experience than Damon had and has been around the college game a lot more. Carl Hobbs being an assistant as long as he as long as he has is not just about recruiting. Carl Hobbs is going to be, I believe, kind of an X's and O guy. Uh, yeah. a a insert structure and in plays and, and and I'm not I'm not saying I know firsthand that he's a guru at any of that kind of stuff but Damon is a fan was a fantastic player Damon has been a good coach at multiple stops and Damon I'm sure is not lost on doing plays and things like that but Carl I believe is the this is this is the guy who who has done everything in the program and is going to help him kind of put more structure into maybe not structure just plays he's, x's and o's that kind of he's stuff. won two national titles yeah that's, well that's okay he's, so he's an assistant for two national titles well so to to my to my tech alum who are especially in the bobby kremens days i believe carl hobbs is the perry clark perry clark was always the guy who would come in and, and draw the plays bobby was the motivator and the recruiter and the kind of kept the you know the glue to put it all together the head coach i think Pershin, no question i and i love the way you you brought it up he is a young guy i think Pershin is you know is is might be trying to get to something better and so the the natural progression is to go from Kennesaw state to here but Pershin was known as a key recruiter on that staff and so i think again his connections here in atlanta who does he know who can he help probably bring on the team. So I like, I like who, what he's put together, uh, just age experience. And like we said, there's no question. I, I'm becoming more and more convinced. Damon Stoudemire believes the way to turn this program around is number one, the level of recruit you get. So yeah. let's use that as a segue to talk about the transfer portal and what he's currently putting together. Absolutely. Well, so first of all, um, I'm going to start off on a downer so that we can then work our way back up and, and send the fans home happy as they do in professional wrestling. So we had mentioned uh, TJ Bomba was um, a big target from Georgia Tech. He was in, he named Georgia Tech as one of his top two in the portal. Now, just for clarification, TJ Bomba was considered one of the best players in the portal um, to the point where he was top 10, the athletic posted a they posted list every year where they kind of scout all the guys in the portal and they determine who they think the best guys are tj bomba was a top 10 guy he had, was a three-year a player at washington state this past season put up some really good numbers about 16 points um 1.7 assists uh 3.7 rebounds he was he was playing relatively good uh stuff he's 6'5 guard he ended up Villanova, which you can't necessarily fault them. Uh, Villanova, Georgia Tech, two programs, very different areas, right? Uh, so, but he did land the recruit of another transfer. And this was one that had been rumored basically from the moment this kid entered the portal. Uh, that was Kowasi Reeves. He is from Macon, Georgia, went to West Side High School. He was a top 50 ish recruit when he came out, went to the University of Florida. His career hasn't fully launched yet, but you have seen the flashes. So last two years, he's been a infrequent starter, played about 15 to 20 minutes a game. He's not the most efficient um, player, but he's a really good athlete. He still averaged eight and a half points last year while also contributing about three rebounds. Uh, again, the efficiency needs to, to 
step up. His three-point percentage dropped last year to 26%. Coming out of high school, it was said his jumper was very, very good. So there's a chance that that rebounds. At minimum, he is a level of athlete that Georgia Tech hasn't necessarily had. Um, he can give you a nice slasher to send to the rim. Uh, he'll probably be able to keep up with some of the better better players. He's at least a good enough athlete. He can become a good defender. He is 6'6". So basically a ball of clay, right, for this this uh, this coach got the mold. Well, the reality is he was, a, he was, when he was coming out, a four-star recruit. You can make an argument that Blue Kane decommitted. He was a four-star guy. You can make an argument that Damon that uh, Damon Stoudemire has replaced if Blue doesn't come back to Georgia Tech. The room, and by the way, that rumor and innuendo is that West Virginia is is recruiting Blue fairly hard. I believe believe he has family there. Or he lived there at one point, but so West Virginia and Bob Huggins is is going after Blue Kane. But if Blue doesn't come back to Tech, then you've you've replaced the four star recruit you lost. And and the difference is Kawasi Reeves has some 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 playing experience in the SEC. Um, so to to this point, the players who have left, uh, Fred Pauls and Kirill, uh, the the uh, Butterfingers Rodney, Jermonte Hill, Jordan Mecca, and then also Tristan Maxwell uh, also yes. declared for the transfer portal. Which we we love those guys, but the reality is there's none of those guys that played any significant minutes. So the team you basically had on the court to this point is still in. And the two guys you brought back in, uh, Ebenezer Dewana, Dewuna, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I look forward to learning how to pronounce it. Uh, He is transferring from NC State. You you have two guys from, from top colleges, NC State and Florida, now in and uh and you know committed and it we're not done john hughley from pitt still has not announced i I believe we're still on his list uh i believe uh minor is is still out there i don't think he's declared and who and there's and i'm sure there are players we don't even know about that that damon is talking about you got more well, there is one that i've seen come up and it was specifically mentioned by the athletic when they talked about this guy that Tech was probably a, a very huge player with this player, and that is Dennis Jenkins. The reason he is a suitor for Georgia Tech is he's played for Damon Stoudemire before. He was rec- he started his college career at Pacific when Damon was still over there. His first two years made the WCC All Freshman Team that first year. After Damon left, he transferred to a, J- a JUCO, played a year there, and then last year played at Iona. Uh, in the MAAC. So the the rumored innuendo is he'll probably follow one of his two former head coaches. He'll either, he might come to tech and play with Damon or he'll follow Rick Pitino to St. John's is, is kind of the rumored innuendo, but um, he's a point guard. He's a really good organizer of the team. Uh, He averages about five assists last year, also averaged one and a half steals. So he would really improve that point of attack defense that we talked about. Uh, Average 15.6 points. He's not the most efficient, but he did kind of get that jump shot figured out last year, raised his percentage to 36%. Uh, would just be a good all-around basketball player to add to the team. So definitely a name to keep your eye on, Dennis Jenkins. So as we sit here right now, 
the fact that none of the top players uh, have have officially left. More on that in well, a second. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Okay. More on that in a second. Let me tease them. Come on, play a little radio with me. Sorry. I know the Wi-Fi's out, but let's do our best here. None of the top players have have officially left. And all that and, and we've brought in two players that look like hopefully they can at least contribute. Big seven footer to clog up space and and hopefully a guy who's gonna find his potential in Kawasi Reeves to join who we already have. Now, there is one other piece of news we have to acknowledge at this point because it was declared this week. Joshua, why don't you go ahead and break that story since you were going to interrupt me? Sorry, I didn't. I I, I wanted to make sure. So um, it was announced on his Instagram that Miles Kelly will be entering the NBA draft or putting his name in the pool to to test the waters. But and this is the very important but he will be maintaining his college eligibility. Uh, so what that means is he can, he's going to probably going to go to the combine, probably going to do a couple workouts, a couple meetings with teams. He's going to get some feedback on where teams would think about taking him, And if he doesn't like what he hears, he can come back to school. Other, other tech players have done this in the past. If I'm not mistaken, I, I can't, I didn't have time to look up. Jose and Moses both kind of did it, I believe, when they entered the, the draft. They maintained their college eligibility. It's a very normal thing for people that aren't guaranteed to be top 15 picks to do. Right. Because if they come out and they're like, it's like, oh, you're going to be a second-round pick. And they're like, well, I don't want to be a second-round pick. I'd, I'd rather get first-round money. They can come back to school, try to build that stock up. You know, it, you, you get feedback on what NBA scouts want to see you improve in. So then you can work on that in a competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we don't know. And it's one of those things you, you want, a, you want to root for the player first and foremost. And if he hears that he's going to get a, a, a good chance to go and kind of turn his life around financially, then it'd be hard to argue him leaving, except now with NIL, is there an opportunity to kind of go, well, you could go to the NBA, maybe get second round and get this, or you could, if there's an NIL opportunity, stay here at Tech and and still benefit from it financially. It's not the whole all or nothing category. Yeah. So this is one of the scenarios where NIL might make a lot of sense of stay here, work on your game, and you can get paid out of the NIL. And it's not just, you know, it's it's not just on the the baptist student union meal plan kind of thing yeah. so well, I mean, so that's why that's why oscar Tashibwe and drew timmy and trace jackson davis and armando bacot they all came back to school last year a couple of those guys came back again armando bacot came back for a fifth year at unc because those guys are stars in college basketball if they go to the nba they're, they're going to be filling out a summer league team you know so right it's 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 one of the benefits is it kind of it kind of helps sometimes like that. Absolutely. And and listen, I, as as an alum and a fan, I think at the end of the day, as much as we want to break things down and we want to pontificate and talk about what we think, the reality is these are I mean, I, I wish nothing but the best for Miles Kelly. He has been a he has been a loyal soldier for tech. He's been a he's I've seen him develop. He's a great player. I hope he becomes even better. Um, at this point, do you want to throw out an opinion of, of, do you think his game is ready for the NBA? No, I don't think it is. Um, I, the reason he's testing it is because he's got the most valuable skill you can have in the NBA and that is a jump shot. 
but I don't yes. think the jump shot is necessarily all the way there. And I think another year in college, especially under a coach like Stop Dave Stoudemire, would give him an opportunity to kind of show right now, like he's most dangerous taking dribble handoffs and, and, and pulling up right off that. He's right. not really adept at creating his own shot. He's kind of got tunnel vision when he drives. He doesn't read a ton. And I don't think that he would be playable in the NBA because he isn't the greatest defender. He probably needs to still add some more strength onto that frame, at least get a little thicker if he really wants to make it in the NBA. Now, again, a team could fall in love with the stroke and and take him and develop sure. him in half. But there's also the opportunity of he might make more money coming back to college than playing in the you know, in a hundred seat arenas in the G league. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is going to be, and and so we'll end on this because I think the most interesting thing is going to be how much does Damon Stoudemire change the offense? Clearly it's going to be a lot. I do not think Damon is going to run anything remotely like the Princeton no. offense. So a lot of fans who, who, and a lot of alum who, who wanted Josh's head and said, you know, we need to run a more open offense. We need to run a more pro style offense. I think you're going to get that. And I, and it's going to be intriguing to see if the players that come back and the players that he brings are going to be able to deliver on that. Cause I think they can, I, I, I think there's a good chance that you could see more flow and more scoring and, and, you know, maybe miles needs to come back and get one more year of season. I kind of lean that way too. I, I I think he needs a little more strength and more completion to his game. But like you said, you said it best. So I'll repeat what you said. He's got the number one skill right now that every NBA team wants. And that's ability to hit a jump shot. Absolutely. And I, I mean, to build off what you said, I think because he Damon comes from the NBA and because he played there, I think we'll see a lot more ball screen action, which I think will be a benefit for everybody. I think, I think Kyle Sturdivant for one is going to look, world better in that kind of system because it's going to allow him to be a little bit more deliberate and patient it'll help miles kelly a lot because when he does try to attack he won't just be pulling it out and trying to iso from 30 feet he'll be attacking a rotating defense hopefully somebody crashes on the drive and he gets a kick out where he's either open and then if somebody closes out he can kind of straight line drive it'll make him look a little bit better Ladies and gentlemen, this show has concluded by me acknowledging something Joshua said and Joshua acknowledging back something I said. It would appear we have come to consensus, which probably means there's nothing left to do except give consensus to you and say thank you so much for sticking with us this long. We hope you found it enjoyable. We apologize greatly for the technical difficulties. We do have some good news that uh, in a couple of weeks, about three or four weeks from now, so maybe about show 37 or 38, Joshua and I will be able to record in the same room. So we're very excited about a new studio for what's the good word for the next uh, group of shows. So we're excited to do a ribbon cutting on that studio. And uh, for, for those uh, we want to, obviously we want to shout out friend of show Kent. If you want to be a friend of the show, you need to email Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com. You can follow us by the way, another friend of show Mike said that he tried to follow our show. He searched on Google and found what's the good word being translated into another language because Joshua, you looked on our stats and where are we being heard in? Latvia, um, India. We're we're worldwide. We're 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 global. It's a global phenomenon. It's sweeping the nation. 
for some reason, and of course it's because we're we're promoting tech, but some AI somewhere I think took our show and translated. So if you want to, you know, and after you're done with your YouTube rabbit hole, if you want to go down a what's the good word rabbit hole, I think you can find our podcast in another language. So, uh, but shout out to uh, to friend of show Mike and Kent. Thanks for participating. Email us, uh, get in contact, leave a comment on the show uh, on your favorite podcast app we we kind of search apple a lot and and look at that but let us know what what you think of the show and tell us what you want us to talk about but i don't know what else we could have covered because i think we covered most if not we we covered almost all the headlines and we did it hopefully to your enjoyment we do not sell advertising on this show we want you to tell your tech friends and alum about the show that's how we want to grow nice and slow and uh remember when it comes to uh georgia tech athletics there really is only one question. What's the good word? <laughs>